Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. I was just drawn in by the opportunity. This is such a fiercely loyal customer across, you know, three really powerful brands. The opportunity to be part of a specialty retailer that was led by women and founded by women also spoke to me. The idea of transforming an existing brand and setting it up for long-term growth is really exciting, especially when you see the hard work paying off. We have a strong outlook. If you look at this year, we're planning to exceed $2 billion in sales. We have a strong retail platform in terms of our physical presence, and our digital business represents over 40% of the company revenues, and that was as of the end of fiscal 2021. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. To really serve your customer well, you have to understand them. And that's just one of the crucial ways that today's guest has led her company's turnaround. Today, we get to hear from Molly Langenstein, CEO, president, and board member of Chico's FAS. She joined the company in August of 2019 and became the CEO and president less than a year later in June of 2020. Molly is a 30-year retail industry veteran with a proven track record of building multiple successful brands and revitalizing sales and profitability in the retail fashion industry. Prior to Chico's, Molly held multiple roles at Macy's, including general business manager for Ready to Wear, private brands officer of Macy's and Bloomingdale's, and executive vice president of private brands for men's and children's wear. I sat down with Molly to talk about the unique strategy at Chico's and her amazing career in the retail industry that in some ways started when she was just a kid. Let's enter the arena with Molly Langenstein. I had the opportunity to grow up in my mother's boutique that she owned and operated for 32 years. It was a beautiful historical uh, Victorian building in a small town in Ohio. And my mother did such an awesome job of magically enticing her local clientele year after year. So I learned from her. This is where I learned the power that product can play in transforming customers and providing them confidence and joy. I have a particular memory in when I was in eighth grade, because I always used to go up to her store after school. And I remember that there was this one customer in particular, her name was Irene, and she had a really hard time finding clothing to fit her. See, she was a little bit larger on the bottom and a little smaller on the top. And my mom was able to find something for her. And when Irene put it on, she cried. And this is when I learned that clothing can be someone's superpower in creating confidence and joy. 
And this led to what you just shared, a 30-year career with Macy's department stores and buying and merchandising, and just really excited about the opportunity to be able to provide women confidence and joy. Yeah, I have to think that in your mom's shop, you did every job. I would imagine by the time you got out of school and started your career, you really kind of knew the the basics of retail. Yes. The one thing I definitely knew after seeing her doing her own store was that I really wanted to learn from big companies. And that's what started with Macy's. So having observed consumer behavior for 30 years, what has stayed the same and what's totally different about consumers these days? One thing that has not changed is that customers quest for service and connection. When a customer enters a store, she wants to be acknowledged and greeted just as if she entered your home, or she will talk with her feet and she will leave you. Customers want that acknowledgement. They want that genuine interaction from an associate that cares. And I believe that this is more powerful today than 30 years ago because it doesn't happen as often. The biggest thing that has changed, though, has been digital. Tools to access inventory, that speed of checkout, to be able to be recognized. She wants you to know her when she comes to the register so that you can either pull her loyalty points or previous transactions so that you can make it seamless. My mom used to be able to keep this information in her head. And customers, you know, it's just crazy. But customers have this expectation today that she wants this personalization at scale. For listeners that may not know the company very well, maybe just tell us about your brands, how they fit together, and what you all do every day. First of all, what attracted me to this opportunity was that connection with customers and that opportunity to be able to really attract to that loyal customer base. We're also founded by women and led by women, and our three unique brands are Chico's, White House Black Market, and Soma, and each have their own distinct opportunities for expanding market share and growth. The company actually, FAS, but that's our corporate name, and FAS originally stood for Folk Art Specialties, which is quite endearing. And we've reimagined every part of the company, and today that represents fashion, artistry, and solutions, which represents how we've really reimagined each one of our brands to build product that links to customers. So Chico's. Chico's is a boutique of solution product with inclusive sizing, Our brand ethos is about inspiring accomplished women to embrace and express their individuality and confidence. I would tell you that if you meet Chico's customer, she's a customer that doesn't take herself too seriously. And I love this customer. I will guarantee you if you're having a bad day, go into a Chico's um, and you'll feel better because the energy is absolutely contagious with this consumer. We have a solutions-oriented playbook that centers around ease and fit and wearability. And this really is important to this consumer and how we we really speak to her and how uh, she lives her life and how she works. White House Black Market is a customer that discovers designer details and feminine tailoring. And this is a brand that is about inspiring independent women to embrace both their power and their femininity. I find that this customer is confident, optimistic, stylish, and social. And here we have a details designer playbook to be able to get at that versatile dressing, seasonless fabrics. Based upon the namesake, there's a lot of black and white that's in the brand that has a timeless tailoring with a few pops of color. But here we find that our customer um, one in three holds a senior management position. So she relies on us for that versatility and, and femininity within clothing. And at White House, if you meet one of our White House customers, you've met someone who makes an impact. And lastly, at Soma, this is our inclusive intimate apparel brand. And 
Our Soma brand is about providing beautiful solutions and being able to inspire women to embrace both their passion for comfort and also for confidence. And how we approach the Soma brand is about being able to build her bra and panty wardrobe. We offer a myriad of bra solutions and being able to, whether we take care of any need that she has from a bra and panty need, from you know bralettes to wireless to push-ups to strapless. And at Soma, we believe that we have a bra and a panty to meet her everyday needs. And our vision as a company is that the Soma customer would be a customer for every one of our Chico's and White House customer as well. It's a great collection of, of brands, Molly, and you articulate what they are and who the customer is so well. The value creator in you probably saw an opportunity for revitalization and pumping energy and a new strategy into the brand. Was that part of the attraction? The customer, the product, and the stores. I was just drawn in by the opportunity. This is such a fiercely loyal customer across, you know, three really powerful brands. The opportunity to be part of a specialty retailer that was led by women, you know, and founded by women also spoke to me. And also when you look at what the brands stand for and what the companies stand for, it's about that purpose, about providing solutions and building communities to provide confidence and joy. That is a theme that we talk about often. We live our purpose. These three brands, we're really able to bring that to life. And we have a strong outlook. If you look at this year, we're planning to exceed $2 billion in sales. We have a strong retail platform in terms of our physical presence. We have 1,261 stores. And our digital business represents over 40% of the company revenues. And that was as of the end of fiscal 2021. So what attracted me was this opportunity to reimagine the product and the marketing and the stores and deliver on this outstanding customer experience, unlocking both the sales and profit growth while lifting into a, a vision and living that vision of purpose that I'm very deeply aligned with. Yeah, you know, people throw around billion here, billion there, like to run a multi-billion dollar operation is serious stuff, but you have a clear plan for the business. Can you tell us about that plan and the strategic pillars that are the foundation of that plan? You know, prior to building this plan, Chico's was burdened with multiple years of weak performance and liquidity challenges, infrastructure issues, and so on and so forth. Again, part of the opportunity was to be able to reimagine this, and we were also highly promotional. So yes, we diligently built a transformational strategy to reset the organization, first with a merchant-driven focus. That was the biggest opportunity to start with, just to put merchants at the head of each one of the brands. And then we really got to work on reimagining each one of the brands, um, the product assortments, and how we really created a, an efficient shared platform based upon the way we were organizationally structured. So we did create four pillars uh, that guided us through the transformation, and it also is what is part of our growth strategy today. It has not changed, and that is being customer-led, product-obsessed, digital-first, and operationally excellent. Our three-year plan gets us to $2.5 billion by fiscal 2025, and that includes more than a billion in digital sales, so we are continuing to grow both our sales channel in stores and online. And we also expect our gross margin rate to be 40% and deliver operating margin of 7.5%. And this should generate an EPS compound annual growth rate in excess of 15% and get our cumulative cash flow from operations at nearly $400 million in three years and that shareholder return in excess of 15%. The good thing is we're nine months into our three-year plan and we are well on our way to achieving our targets. Yep, absolutely. I think it might be helpful to take those strategic pillars one at a time, Molly, and 
when you talk about the first one, which is being customer led, that's absolutely huge. Yes, customer led. Really, we would look at it based on uh, community engagement and creating those exceptional and memorable customer experiences. And that will get you the lifetime value that everyone's looking for. Our organization is focused on our customer, providing innovative solutions and products. Um, and here's some examples. We wear test our products and then we vet them through our customers. We ask them all the time uh, based upon how things fit, how they look. And so many of our employees that are women are our customers too. And that's how we really find out whether we found the key franchises that are going to build growth with that customer's mindset. And the good thing is that over the past 12 months, we've been able to continue to grow our customer base. Um, we grew it by 8% by the end of third quarter reporting. And that was Chico's up 11, White House up 14, and Soma up 4. The product obsessed is our next one. And that's what we do, you know, creating that best in class uh, merchandise for our consumers. And a key component for us is always looking for things that have solutions and that are going to give her that confidence. So being led by customer, we link her to that product so that we can create a pipeline of innovation. We have a whole calendar in terms of what we want to bring to market from an innovation standpoint. And that starts with being fabric first so that we can, we can execute that solutions-based strategy. When you look at our three brands from a customer standpoint and a product standpoint, we largely serve women that are over 45 with household incomes that are over 100,000. And we believe we are competitively positioned to continue taking market share within this group. If you dig a little bit deeper and you kind of look at each one of the brands in terms of how we bring that to life, we have a playbook for each brand that really guides us. So for Chico's, that solutions playbook was able to drive a comp growth increase in Q3 of plus 29% and driving that style and fit and solution hallmarks. And we were able to complete her head-to-toe looks with easy care and wrinkle-free and climate-right fabrics. In White House, with the designer details playbook, we were able to drive comp sales in the third quarter of plus 17%. And this is driven by the tailoring and feminine details and seasonless fabrics is key here. Again, that's a woman that's a higher professional woman and she wants that versatility, whether she's going for a casual occasion or she's going for a special occasion. And then Soma, we have our beautiful solutions playbook. And here we were able to drive a comp increase of plus 35% compared to 2019. We've been on a pretty aggressive growth path in the last couple of years with Soma. And uh, we continue to make our investments. And that continues to pay off for us in particular in the, the bra and panty category. When you talk about product obsessed, I have to think that you probably go back to your experience in your mom's store. One thing I've heard you say in the past is the power of newness and innovation and the woman that you uh, described that went into your mom's store who all of a sudden transformed or was very emotional about that. Is that really the connection you're making with your customer when you talk about that newness and innovation and constantly being on the hunt? Yes, absolutely. And you can see that come to life in each store in a different way, whether it is a woman in Soma that has lost a lot of weight and she really wants to be able to, to find something to fit her or she's had surgery or something, you know, traumatic happened in her life. There's a, there, that is a very, no pun intended, intimate connection that happens in, a, in, in the intimate apparel fitting room. Or it's, it's a girl's first bra. You know, you want that service to be able to make that happen in the fitting room. In White House, you know, we have these professional women, but 
they want to look a certain way, but they look for our team as the authority on how to put them together. And they rely on them to be able to make that connection. And in Chico's, the fitting room is like a party. Um, you, you just, you go back there and the women come and they tell each other how to dress. In addition to how the sales associates are interacting with them, there's always chairs available for spouses or family members. That would be me. That would be <laughs> exactly. me sitting in the chair. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun, you know, so it creates a whole fun environment. So as much as we are all digitally inclined, that store experience and that human connection is still key. Each of Chico's brands, customer counts are growing steadily, but there's been an interesting change in their age that is significant to the company's long-term growth prospects. We are definitely seeing that the customer is getting younger. The reason why we think that's important is that the, the customer that comes to us stays with us. Uh, so if you look at, for example, the Chico's and the White House Black Market and the Soma brand, customers stay with us anywhere from seven to nine to 12 years. So when they're coming to us and they stay for that long period of time, we know we're going to keep them. So for right now, the years in terms of reduction in age is 10 years at Chico's, three years at White House Black Market, and four at Soma. So we're very excited about what the teams have been able to accomplish in their results. You've grown multi-channel customers significantly. Why are those customers more valuable than non-multi-channel customers? What's the significance of that? And what's kind of driving that increase? Our digital tools, they are working seamlessly to allow customers to explore how they want to shop and when they want to shop. Um, we're continuing to make investments in our marketing as well, and that's driving traffic and customers to our brand. Our digital tools and our marketing are working in tandem to be able to grow that multi-channel customer. And the reason why she's valuable to us is that she spends more. And one of the things that we created during the COVID time period is our digital tools that are My Closet and Style Connect. And these really have been able to nurture and grow the multi-channel customer. She's spending three times more than a single channel customer. And in fact, in this past third quarter, we were able to grow our multi-channel customers by 17%. So each one of the touch points that we have from a digital perspective, whether it's building her wardrobe, driving frequency of visits, driving that in-store visit, as well as online, is really about getting that frequency to get her to be able to spend more. And we're all aligned in making those happen. And the other good thing that also is, is part of driving this multi-channel customer is also growing it across the brands. So for example, we hold things like Sister Sundays that promote each other's brands. We have a work model that allows for uh, the management of all three brands so we can move labor between the three brands. So it really is able to promote the brands within the brands as well as the channels. For those who may not know, what's the experience of Style Connect and, and My Closet? Style Connect is that one-on-one -on -one tool that a sales associate can have to uh, talk to a consumer. So they are able to have the customer's email address. They send them pictures. Many customers send the sales associate pictures saying, I want to wear this today. What should I be wearing with it? So they're able to give them style advice. They are able to transact with them, um, whether they are making an appointment in the store or they are guiding them through a digital purchase online to send them something to their home. It really is that one-on-one -on -one connection with the person that they know and that they trust as a communication tool. And that is actually going to be available on our app as well. And we find that the Style Connect tool really is the person-to-person -person connection. 
And if you look at my closet, my closet lets her shop from her past purchases. So when you're online or whether you're in the store, you have the ability to do both. But in particular, when you're online and you're buying something, they'll look up your past purchases and show you how these outfits can be put together and give you outfit recommendations so that you're constantly building your wardrobe and not always starting from 100% new. Yeah. I mean, COVID was bad, but not all bad. I mean, it really kind of accelerated the digital adoption and all these things. Maybe you would have done them eventually, but you certainly woke up and you're like, we better get this done or else, right? That's right. The Style Connect tool was what we used when stores were closed. We kept our people employed, our store managers were employed, and we kept that engagement. Yeah, totally amazing. On the last earnings call, Molly, you talked about the loyalty program. Maybe take us through that program and how it fits into the pillars and the long-term strategic plan for you all. Yeah. We relaunched our loyalty program in June and we're really encouraged by the early results. What we did is we enhanced the loyalty program. It's a tier model that incrementally rewards customers for spending more. So here's a good example. Last year, our top 250 Chico's customers And they actually did spend this amount. They spent $22,000 each with the brand. And last year, they're loyals and they received the same award as a customer that spent $100. And that's what has changed. So we were able to, with this unique, strong consumer base in all three brands, be able to reward our customers that are our best customers. And we really have found that so far um, she's enjoyed, she wants early access. She wants to be able to influence designs. She wants to be able to talk to people. This is not about necessarily offers uh, that are discounts. She wants more than that. She wants exclusivity. So we spent a lot of time listening to her before we rolled out the program and the uh, expectation that we are seeing and what we're seeing in the results is that the enrollment is greater than we expected. The sentiment's greater than we expected and the redemption rates are really, really strong. So this is already strengthening this great relationship that we have. And we're really excited to see where this is going to take us because we know we're just getting started. It sounds to me like you've really focused on revenue and the mix of that between traditional and digital. I can already tell you're a stickler for operational efficiency. Talk about the balance sheet for a minute. Your results have allowed you to pay down some debt recently and have some firepower to be uh, opportunistic as it relates to investment. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, our strategy has benefited the whole P&L. And with expanding gross margin and higher op income comes that strong cash flow and that much greater flexibility. And we've used this flexibility to reduce the financial risk by maintaining that balance sheet with a higher liquidity and also low debt. We now have the ability to invest and support our three-year plan to fuel our long-term growth. And we expect to generate over $400 million in cumulative cash flow by with operations through 2024. And we're more than half of that will be reinvested into the business. Yeah, that's unbelievably impressive. And it's like a flywheel to the upside. You keep, if you keep tracking to the plan, the more cash flow you have, the more flexibility you have. And it sounds like you're well on your way. Yes. They say when the cash goes up, the stock goes up. Yeah, right. Funny, <laughs> funny how that happens, right? One thing I did want to touch on, and this is obviously managing inventory, cost of goods, supply chain, real estate, sourcing logistics. You know, you can pick one or all of those. They're they're very uh, topical issues right now in the economy that we're in, and the challenges and inflation and all of that. How are you positioning the company to be successful? Because that seems so complicated. You know, one of our four pillars is operational efficiency and managing our inventory more tightly 
And diversifying our supply chain has been absolutely key to what we've been able to accomplish. One of the most important things that we noticed when there was so many challenges with the supply chain is we moved our calendar actually 10 full weeks, which is quite significant when you're a vertical operation. But we we knew that we wanted to have control of our flow of inventory. We didn't want someone else to be dependent on that. And that has served us very well this year. And we've been able to actually put inventory in front of sales and be able to position our inventory and flow it the way that we've wanted to. And that really has just benefited us. So as the supply chain has eased, we've been able to take a few weeks out of the calendar, but we're really staying very close to it because we know this situation is quite volatile. There's still a lot of challenges overseas and uh, we're very excited about being able to stay close to the consumer and keep our inventories lean. Speaking of volatility, it seems like over the last three years, uh, everything's been coming out of left field and uh, Hurricane Ian was one of those things. I know you were impacted by that. Can you talk about its impact and the disaster recovery efforts there? It was quite a traumatic time period. You know, first and foremost was the safety and well-being of our associates. And thankfully, all of our associates are safe. And what we did initially is we created an employee assistance fund that was supported by the company, the generosity of our associates, our board members, and business partners. And this was able to ease the financial burden of reconstruction and the losses incurred by many associates. The other thing that happened at the same time is that 24 hours after the storm, our corporate office became a small city for line men and women that were eating, sleeping, and showering on our campus nightly. We even had law enforcement that used our campus for laundry, showers, and hot meals, while most of South Florida was without power. In total, our campus hosted more than 3,000 line men and women, Red Cross support crews, and over 2,000 trucks, buses, and trailers for two weeks post the storm. So proud of our company and what we were able to accomplish. And this also was why we delivered a fantastic quarter in the third quarter. And um, we've got four stores that remain closed, including our original Sanibel store in Chico's. And we're going to rebuild and we're going to continue to be a resilient company. Uh, We've survived COVID and we are emerging from Hurricane E in a stronger company. And that's because of our amazing associates. Yeah. And that really speaks to the values of the business, but more importantly, the values of the people behind the business uh, up and down the line from the associates all the way up to the board. And I have a last question for you, Molly, which is what is your signature piece of management advice? You've been doing this a long time. What kind of advice do you give young people? Mm, Listen with your eyes. That's a good one. Yeah. Chico's has a great portfolio of brands and a clear three-year plan rooted in strong strategic pillars. It's a combination that has helped position the company to re-accelerate growth. But as I always say, you bet on the jockey, not the horse, and Molly and her team are definitely driving Chico's success. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast, And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Molly for a fascinating conversation. It was so great to hear what inspired her to go into retail to begin with and the smart strategies that have kept her as a thriving leader over a very long period of time. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. 
References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only, and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.